Put industry leading, difference making, and tomorrow shaping on your to-do list. Explore Deloitte Technology Careers at Deloitte.com slash tech careers and engineer your future at Deloitte. My name is Joanne. This is my father. I know what's happening with my body. I won't be able to take care of myself. When the time comes to get more support for your parents, care can help you find qualified caregivers nearby. What would help me is if there could be somebody there that could check in on you. I realize I have to do it. The best decisions are made with care. Find help for your mom or dad at care.com. Today, Carl and Nick preview the Broncos' Week 8 matchup as the Denver Broncos travel to Kansas City in a huge divisional game, Monday Night Football, with the winner being tops in the division. You are listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up! Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up. I am Carl Dumbler, and with me as always, we have Nick Kendall. Nick, this this really does feel like kind of a, a do-or-die situation, and I always hate being kind of that that dramatizing something so early in the year because this is game seven of the year for the Broncos. But what, losing three straight games, two of against the division – Defensive players have already started speaking out against coaches and the offensive players. We've been hearing that there was some quite a bit of yelling in the locker room after the game. Just sounds like this is a, a, a must win to get this team back on track. Otherwise, this season could really tank real quick. Are, are you kind of feeling that same way? Oh, absolutely. I was feeling that way last week after losing to the Giants and coming to play Denver in Denver West, which the stadium was pretty much all orange. Uh, the Denver Broncos had an opportunity to Tie the Chiefs. Chiefs dropped the second one in a row after looking so great those first few weeks. San Diego team, which is better than their record showed. I mean, we, if anybody listened to the, the podcast last week, you know that I, this, we both discussed that, that the Charger team was much better than what their record showed. But the Denver Broncos put up one of their worst performances on offense I have seen in ages. I can't even think of the last time the offense played that pedantic. Maybe the, <laughs> I don't maybe even the seven to three loss with Tim Tebow. Yeah. Yeah, I, maybe. I mean, we only crossed the hook 50. How many times? Three times? It was yeah, bad. Yeah, it was. <laughs> but you're, you're totally right. This game is, like you said, we don't want to overstate how important it is, but we can't understate it. I mean, if the Broncos lose this game and go to three and four on the season with the next two games, then being at Philadelphia, who looks like the best team in football right now, and then back to Denver to play New England in a team that looks like they're, I mean, obviously like they always do, getting it together, starting to look like a Super Bowl team under Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, one of the best offenses in the NFL so far this year. So Broncos, I mean, it's if you want to make the playoffs, if you want to win this division, for sure, they have to win Monday. If they lose the division, if they lose this game Monday, I think division is absolutely out of the question, especially with how Chargers are starting to look solid. Chiefs are playing pretty well, and they're, they're actually getting a little healthier, I think, coming up here. And the Raiders winning that gutsy game against the Chiefs with Derek Carr being back and getting healthier. So the Broncos, th- this game, I mean, <laughs> the AFC West is so tight. Let's be real. But this game could be the difference 
between if the Broncos have a chance to win the division or if they are on track to finish last place in the division. It's that close and it's that serious of a game. Oof. <laughs> well, before we get to all that, I want to remind all of our listeners that this show's focus is all things pertain to your Denver Broncos. We'll be bringing you the game previews every single week to get you ready for the upcoming game and how to be watching the game, hopefully as a smarter fan. With Nick and myself being film junkies, we'll be bringing you these previews with a scout-based perspective, breaking down the matchups from a player's skill set and X's and O's perspective. You can follow myself on Twitter at MHH, as well as follow Nick at MHH. Be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod. Make sure you check out ours and our co-writers' written content at milehighhuddle.com, a part of scout.com and an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners, so please take the time to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. We also want to let you know that today's episode is to brought, brought to you by MyBookie.net. MyBookie.net is all about the excitement of making accurate sports predictions on your favorite teams without having to risk any funds. It's totally recreational, and there are all kinds of prizes. In today's climate, the fantasy industries have made watching football a lot more interesting. So go to MyBookie.net and compete for great prizes, totally free. Now, when I was getting ready for this episode... I was doing a lot of, we always do a lot of research, but I was very interested. I, I couldn't believe, for some reason, I thought the Chiefs had a much bigger lead on the Broncos when it came to the head-to-head matchups, but it's actually only 59-55 to 55 in favor of the Chiefs, and that is with the Chiefs winning the last three. So at one point, it was 56-55. to 55. That's crazy. But of course, the Chiefs have, uh, have won the last two home games against the Broncos, and well, this one is on the road. In Chiefs country, in one of the loudest stadiums, I guess it is technically the loudest stadium in the NFL <laughs> during that whole crazy stunt between Seattle and Kansas City to see who was the loudest stadium. But the last time the Broncos beat the Chiefs, if you can remember, Jamal Charles fumbling late in the game on that Thursday night game. I, I remember just that whole week leading up to it, Chiefs fans were just going crazy that this was going to be like their biggest game up. And I don't know how many years that they were going to come in, whoop up on the Broncos, show that they are supposed to be the new division champs, all of that. And I even had my, my car painted by Chiefs fans. Oh, no. I, I live in Chiefs country. Oh. For, for those <laughs> listeners that, that ha- haven't caught on to that. I, I live in Chiefs country, had my Bronco rock stolen out of my front yard. It, it got returned, thankfully. <laughs> I guess it was borrowed. I guess is maybe the, the better way to say it. But... Anyway, I remember that was one of my favorite games just because I was at my parents' house and right next to their house was some of the biggest Chiefs fans that I know. They have Chiefs flags flying out front. They had a bunch of Chiefs fans over to watch the game. And when Jamal Charles fumbled, I you could audibly hear across the street them yelling. I mean, it, it was just this just this gut-wrenching pain that they were feeling in that moment. And of course, I'm sure they could hear us just screaming at the top of our lungs. So one of the, one of my favorite games of the last few years, other than of course, like the Super Bowl and the playoffs and, and everything like that, but love that game. Hopefully we can see another just great game that, that people don't expect the Broncos to win. Yeah, absolutely. And Broncos open up 
at least last I saw it was a seven and a half underdogs to the Chiefs. Hmm. So yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty big uh, that's a pretty big line, especially with how much the Chiefs have been struggling on defense recently. I mean, coming off two losses in a row, but the Broncos have scored what thirty six points in the last four games. So I can't say that. I think the the line will be facing or at least leaning towards the Chiefs. We'll see how it plays out, how the money is going to be laid down in Vegas. But right now, I I think seven and a half is probably about right. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And their two losses, they've still been very close games against two pretty tough opponents. And one of them, of course, being on the road there in in Oakland. So as bad as it is that they're coming in two games down, we're down two games. Yeah, they, they have to be the favorites, especially in Kansas City and by quite a bit. And I think you and I both are kind of at this point of not really just having a lot of expectations from this Bronco offense. I don't know how anybody could. You were talking about, what was it, 34 points in the last four games? 36. 36. Well, it's 10 points in the last two games. So five points per game. Yikes. <laughs> that's, <laughs> whoo, yeah, that's, uh, I, I keep making that noise just because it's, it's that, it it's, it's that dire. Yeah, it's, it's that bad. I, I can't remember even, even the, the Tim Tebow days, our offense was doing a little bit more than what we're doing right now. So it's just, it, it's, it's tough to see. And, we're coming to our first section here, key matchups that we do every single week. And I kind of wanted to, I guess I'd say get away from some of them that we usually do of our offensive line or our offensive tackles versus their, their pass rushers, just because every week that's going to be a key matchup. We know that Justin Houston and D Ford. I don't think uh, what's his name is healthy quite yet. Tom Bahali. Yeah. Tom Bahali. I don't know why I couldn't figure it. Uh, I, I respect the heck out of that guy. He's, yeah. he's been one of my not favorite non-Bronco players. Hate that he plays for the Chiefs. But but those two, they, they are great coming off the edge. You have your boy, Chris Jones. Uh, yeah, my boy. And I did see a stat, though, the other day that in the, the game against the, the Chiefs or against the Raiders, those were the only three to get pressure on Derek Carr. Not a single pressure came from any other player on the team. I believe but, it. I mean, like Chris I said, Jones is one of the few. And yeah. Raiders do have a good offensive line. Yeah, they do. They do. That's true. Better than ours. But like I said, I kind of wanted to get away from the offensive line talk just a little bit because we know that's always going to be a key matchup, especially in pass protection. And talk about some of the other ones that I think could really be huge for this game. And I think first and foremost, if this this Bronco defense is going to shut down this, this chief offense, it starts with shutting down Kelsey and Hunt. And that means that our, our linebackers and our safeties are going to have to have their best game of the year for the Broncos to stand a chance. Do you agree? I absolutely agree. And I know that Todd Davis has been somewhat a disappointment in covering, covering tight ends and running backs in the receiving game. But with that ankle sprain, it sounds like he's going to be out. And we lost Corey Nelson. So that leaves us with Brandon Marshall and Zaire Anderson, who have had snaps for the Denver Broncos. They did call up Gerald Garcia Williams, who is a rookie from Hawaii, uh, was on their practice squad and played decently in preseason. So he's going to be offering depth there. But Broncos have some serious issues. If they didn't have issues before at inside linebacker in this 3-4 scheme, they have issues now. Uh, Brandon Marshall's not been the best in pass coverage. One of the uh, Phil Rivers passing touchdowns this week was mostly Brandon Marshall's fault. Uh, could not get out to that running back. And so... This is probably as tough of a task as it gets for covering tight end and running back as receivers. Uh, Kareem Hunt, if anybody's listened to, to us during the preseason, uh, during the draft episodes, 
we were huge, huge Cream Hunt fans. I don't want to say that, you know, we told you so, because a lot of people were big Cream Hunt fans. That's like a lot of the draft community was, but definitely was some guy that I was really hoping the Broncos would look at in the third round if they wanted a running back. And he's proven to be even better than people could have expected. I mean, what he's on pace for the most rushing yards or most total yards ever from a rookie running back. I think that that's true. So uh, great running back for them. And then they also have Travis Kelsey, who, I mean, as much of a, as a jerk and a kind of a showboat as he comes off as he's probably the best tight end in football right now in terms of like straight line speed and big play ability. I mean, Travis Kelsey is about as good as it gets in the NFL right now, the tight end position. So this is, this is an incredibly tough test for the Broncos safeties and inside linebackers who have been struggling in this matchup every week. It seems like this is where they're struggling. Definitely. And, and that's, yeah, Kareem Hunt, man, you and I are both so high on him. And, and I'm, I, I'm happy because I have him in my fantasy leagues and almost all of them, but one, one of them, I couldn't quite get him because I took him higher than most people. Cause I just believed in his ability that much that he would become the starter and, and do well. And, and he's proven me right. And he's done well for me in fantasy football, but that also means then the chiefs are doing well. Yeah. And, and he's one of those guys, he's a three down player. You talked about it where he's set, getting ready to possibly set the, the all time record for rookie all time or all purpose yards. And he's already got 717 yards rushing halfway through the year. So, I mean, he's, he's on pace for around 1,600 yards by the time he probably gets done with things. And then he's got 25 of 27 targets. That's, that's a pretty good number there for 285 yards as a receiver. And he's, just, he's a guy that just doesn't go down. He has such amazing balance. You and I both talked about that during the draft episodes that we loved about this guy is he has, he has vision and balance. And when you have those two things, you don't need to be an elite athlete. You don't have to be a Adrian Peterson or a Leonard Fournette because your athleticism will get you plays that maybe other players just can't make. And like I said, he, he's just proven us right with that. And for me, he was my, my one player that I've ever thought about trying to compare to like Terrell Davis because his running style just reminded me so much of Terrell Davis, of not being the speedster, not being the power guy, just being good at everything, but especially vision. And, man, he's, he's just been so good. But, yeah, then Travis Kelsey, he is a matchup nightmare. But he is one of my favorite tight ends to watch because he is such an amazing route runner. That's There's not another tight end in the NFL right now. Evan Ingram, I think, will get there because he's just that athletic and he's just he's more of that hybrid wide receiver tight end kind of type. But Travis Kelsey, he just finds different ways to get open more than just being a big body on the field. And he has, he has sneaky speed, I would say. Kind of like Robert Gronkowski, he's a lot faster than you would think he would be. And Kelsey last year, he had 652 yards after the catch last year. And he's had at least 10 broken tackles in every single year that he's been in the NFL. And his stats just keep going up every single season. So he's, just, he's becoming more and more of just that weapon that, that you wish you had on your team because it is such a ni- matchup nightmare. There are just so few teams that have players that can defend these type of players. And I was really hoping Justin Simmons would become that kind of guy for us. That, that tall guy that has the speed, that has good tackling ability, that has good leaping ability to, to really challenge these guys for those, those throw-up balls. And he just he has moments that he is that player. He just doesn't do it consistently. And this is the week he's got to get himself right because one blown coverage and it's a big touchdown for, for the Chiefs. Yeah. Kelsey, I think I would vote him as the best tight end right now in football just because he hasn't had the injuries Gronk has. They're a little bit different. Gronk is more of a, they both have obvious, they're both obviously great athletes with good size. Gronk is more of a 
incredible like 50 50 ball go getter type where he comes down with footballs that it's like jesus how do you stop that six seven 260 pound dude like you just can't he's so big and he just comes down with everything whereas kelsey is more of a a straight line speed guy uh he can get open because he like you mentioned he is an incredible route runner and then once he gets the ball he can be gone i think in the horrible christmas day night game where we played at kansas city last year first quarter he had what was like a 70 yard touchdown like the second touchdown of the game Broncos were down 14 to nothing like after two possessions it was that was probably one of the worst games overall that we've seen at least from the defense in a long time but yeah it's just it's going to be very tough and I'm hoping to see more Will Parks this week honestly uh and Jamal Carter uh Broncos have struggled to cover tight ends last week Hunter Henry was probably the only guy really doing anything for the charge at least like it seemed in the past game and then Evan Ingram the week before so I think it was Chris Harris he touched on it he's saying that they have plans to cover the tight ends. They're just not executing it properly or not running through with it fully. So I'm expecting, even if it means giving up a little bit more on the ground, uh, you got to stop those chunk plays with the, the tight end. So hopefully you see some more three safety looks and get Jamal Cardo and Will Parks some chances to get a little bit more physical and up in the face of Travis Kelsey. You know, those, those are young guys looking to make a name, looking to get more playing time. And I'd love to see one of them, you know, not take Kelsey out, so to speak, but Put him in his place because Kelsey's a guy who can get a little bit too amped up emotionally and make mental mistakes. And that's something that the Broncos are going to need to do. They're going to need to get in the head of a guy like that because otherwise he can take over a game and you don't want to see that. Definitely. Yeah. You got to get that early pop on him to remind him that going over the middle is not going to be easy that day. And and the Broncos have some hard hitting safeties. Darian Stewart, Will Parks and and Jamal Carter there. Man, <laughs> one of those guys got to get a big hit early in the game. If they do that. I'm going to feel a lot better about our odds of stopping, especially Travis Kelsey. And and I think they can be aggressive in, in the run game too. That's that's one thing that's that's been great about this defense is they are a great tackling defense. And Kareem Hunt, that's that's what you got to do. You got to get him the first time because he's not going to stop fighting for those extra yards. And so if we can get those safeties in there to make that early tackle, get him down, get him in some long distance plays. Although the Chiefs, what, what has happened? We, we went from captain check down to guy that's picking up third and 15 plays. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on with Alex Smith this year, but I guess that little extra pressure behind him. Yeah, and I think it's finally just Andy Reid showing off some of his weapons that they've accumulated. Definitely. Alex Smith has always been an underrated quarterback in my opinion. I mean, he's not a top 10 guy ever, but he's always in that 17 to 12 range. And if you have a good team around him, he's going to take care of the football. He's athletic enough to move the sticks, and he's smart enough to find the right match. Find the right matchup. I mean, whether it be Tyree Kill running back or using his legs, Alex Smith can run an offense. So, I'm I don't want to say I'm jealous of the Chiefs having Alex Smith, but that's that's competent QB play. And when you have an overall offensive scheme rolling the way that the Chiefs do with Andy Reid's scheme right now, it works. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely worried about Kelsey this week. Uh, we'll probably talk about them later when we're talking about our X factors a little bit, but it's, it's uh, got to slow those two guys down. Otherwise the chiefs offense can put up enough points that it's going to be hard for the Broncos to win with the way their offense is playing right now. The Broncos offense that is definitely Well, moving on to another matchup that I think Broncos just have to get better at. Uh, and that, that's the whole theme of this entire week. Got to be better. Every area, defense, offense, special teams. Defense, not as much as the other two areas. But I don't want to ignore especially the special teams because Broncos gave up that punt return to Travis Benjamin this last week. And 
there's just there's been some issues. It, it wasn't just that one play. They they've had obviously McManus. I don't know what the heck's going on with that guy. Maybe a week off where he didn't even get a try, <laughs> try a, a field goal. Maybe that'll help him get his head on right. But yeah, just this entire unit. I I was a big Olivo fan when we brought him in, but he's got to get these guys fired up. They were overrunning punt coverages. I don't know how many times I saw three guys just like coming down on Benjamin and then they just like run right by him. There was no breaking down. Hey, let's make sure we keep him in front of us and let other guys come up and help us make the play. No, it was just, we're going to run at top speed and just hope we hope and happen to run into him. It was, it was terrible. Now, some of that might've been injuries. They had what, seven, eight guys that were out for the game that yeah, were, we're missing, depth. we're missing some depth in special teams. That's for sure. Yeah. And so other guys had to step into some other roles. But this is my my key matchup number two is our, our kick and punt coverage units versus Tyreek Hill, Akeem Hunt, and Thomas for the for the kickoff unit. This honestly, in, in my opinion, is the most dangerous return unit in the NFL. I, they just they have speed galore with these three guys. And Tyreek Hill. He's already taken one for a touchdown, an 82-yard touchdown. He's only returned 13 punts this year. Teams are, are <laughs> have learned their lesson from last year, kind of, of trying to keep it away from him as much as possible or kick it a little bit shorter to make sure your coverage unit can get down there. But he is still seventh in the NFL with 11.7 yards per return. And on the opposite side of that, Riley Dixon right now is 28th in the NFL of a net, uh, of net punting average, and the Broncos are last and average yards per punt return at 15.2. Hopefully all that came across clear. <laughs> Broncos have been worse at trying to cover punts. Tyreek Hill has been top 10. That's usually not a good combination for trying to stop this guy. And then on the other side of that, Akeem Hunt. Some of you might have drafted him instead of Kareem Hunt on accident. I did not make that mistake, thankfully, but but he is there. He was a great pickup late uh, he was on their practice squad there for a little bit, and he has come in and he is, I'm trying to remember what the stat is. Uh, he averages 27 yards per return, which ranks fourth in the NFL of all qualified returners. So my question to you, Nick, is then what, what should the Broncos do to stop these? At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park, or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum, restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. And now, shop what you love and save $2 on each participating item when you buy three or more with your card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Guys, not have to punt, just score every time I get the ball and then I'll <laughs> kick it. Yeah, that's that's the dream. But uh, I mean, you just have to kick it away from him. You just can't let Tyreek Hill beat you. And that's so hard to do because now he's phasing to become even more and more of an offensive weapon and they're using him with that option and he's becoming a better and better wide receiver. So it's, it's hard to do. I mean, there's nobody in the NFL that has his speed. Some will argue 
John Ross, but I, I disagree. I think play speed, nobody's as fast as Tyreek Hill. Although I guess Leonard Fournette has the fastest speed so far this season, which is the top absolutely two insane. Speeds. The top two. Bowie to all those people who didn't think he was going to be good. I'm still a little bit worried about that ankle, but man, Leonard Fournette is absolutely fun to watch. And Cam Robinson's hurt. Man, I'm, I'm sad. Anyway, nothing about the Jags. We hopefully, <laughs> well, hopefully maybe get to break them down a little bit if we meet them in the playoffs or something, but that's, uh, that's a little bit looking ahead there. But anyway, back to the punt units. Um, it's, it's so tough because the Broncos have had some serious injuries for some of those key special teams players. Uh, Cody Latimer is one of the best special teams players in the NFL. I mean, if there's always that stupid guy for the Patriots who makes the Pro Bowl as the, the specialist, which is named Slater. Yep. Slater. I, people just vote him in because they know him. But honest to God, Cody Latimer is one of the best special teams players in the NFL. And yes, it's not as important as defense or offense. It'd be better if he contributed as a wide receiver. But still, we miss him. We really do miss him in special teams. We miss Kayvon Webster in special teams. He's, I mean, he was a great player for us for years on those special teams units. And we miss Corey Nelson. So uh, it's, it's rough when you're bringing in those new bodies that don't have that chemistry. And they're just not as good at covering kicks and punts. I mean, it, just, it just looks like that. I do appreciate Olivo's passion. And, you know, he comes, he's a fun, a fun interview, that's for sure. But so was the special teams coordinator last year. I mean, I don't even – he's not even with the team anymore. He got that chance to head, be the head coach in that game at San Diego and then hardly was ever heard from again. <laughs> so – He's got to, he's got to pull something out here because it's right now it's a uh, special teams has been dreadful. Luckily for him, the offense has been even worse. So we're not really talking about that, but well, I guess we're talking about it, but it's not, it's not the main focus of the fans rage right now compared to the offense, but it's, it's gotta be better. And if they give up a touchdown to Tyreek Hill this week, or even Akeem Hunt or D'Anthony Thomas, it's going to make it super hard for the Broncos to win and play the kind of football that they have to play to win. They're a team just like in the Super Bowl, They had that, Early turnover that was a touchdown to give them that that lead, the field goal and the touchdown to give them that decent lead, and then they can just play with the lead. Defense can control the flow of the game once you have the lead. But when you're playing from behind, like the Broncos have the last couple weeks, it gets ugly for the offense fast, and that's that's just the way it is for this offense going forward, at least in the foreseeable future, with the mediocre offensive line, the injuries in the receiving core, and the subpar play at quarterback. I, I, did, I don't really have anything else to add to, to what you said because that's all exactly right. The defense already has a tough enough job with how bad the offense is doing. And then you add special teams struggling on top of that. It just, it is. It's, it's an impossible mountain for the Broncos to overcome when that begins to happen. Think about it from the defensive perspective where you know you have to play perfect, absolutely perfect for the team to stand a chance to win the game. There, that's just a lot, of, a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, and, and it's, it's going to cause a lot of tension. Like, why do we have to, again and again, have to keep going out there and prove ourselves? We are a championship-caliber defense, and our special teams and offense just keep just throwing everything away. We're, we're making these games easy to win. You only have to do so much to win it, and you can't do that. It's not even that you have to be great on offense or special teams. It's just that you got to be average, and it's just it's not happening. So it's I'm sure it's frustrating for the defense. I know it is. But, yeah, Oliva... McCoy, you guys got to figure out something. I, I know you don't have all the playmakers that sometimes we've had in the past, but it's just what it is. You got to do it with with you got to do it with what you got. Yeah, and a PSA to Brandon Langley. I'm really excited about your future with the Broncos, but for the love of Christ, please, if it's in decently in the end zone, take a knee. We don't need to be starting the ball inside our own ten because this offense needs all the help they can get. So does the defense. I mean, how much bad field position can the defense start with? So just 
be, be happy with the 25. I understand the mentality probably is, hey, our offense really stinks. Maybe we can break one. Maybe that's the only way we can get something going. But I feel like you're just playing right into the other team's hands. Maybe, maybe I'm showing my John Fox there being a little bit conservative, but drives within no, I, like the 10, within the 15, horrible. You can't, you can't do that to start a game, especially with the way the offense is playing right now for the Broncos. No, I, I agree. And I think it's a little bit of also just that, that rookie mentality of I got to make a name for myself. I got to do something to, to make the coaches take notice and, and give me a little bit more time. Look at, at McKenzie. How many muff punts does he have already? Because he's trying to do too much. Yeah, it's he, he's he's going to learn. I know he will. He's a he's going to be a great punt returner as, as his career goes on. But he's got to learn. There's just times you just don't take the chances. The whole going over and like pretty much taking the ball out of a defender's hand on a punt. I, that was crazy. He got lucky that he caught it, that it ended up well. But th- there's just yeah, the, the, sometimes those rookies, man, they, they can irritate you to no end. And. Langley, yeah, I think he's just trying to do a little too much. He's just got to remember, like you said, sometimes you just got to play that position battle and be happy with the 25-yard line. At least you can punt it 40 yards, and you're going to at least pin them back where our defense will make them go the entire field. Yeah, absolutely. So Broncos, I mean, they're not winning the offensive phase right now, but if you're losing the offensive phase and the special teams phase, game's over, period. You You can't do that. I mean, it sucks to be losing one phase pretty consistently, but if the special teams is also hurting the defense and the offense gets, I mean, you're, you're going to lose at Arrowhead. There's no doubt about it. So be better returning the football. Don't let Hill beat you with a punt or a kick return. And hopefully let's just, let's have less punts. That doesn't mean more interceptions talking to you offense or turnovers. Gosh, darn it. But <laughs> let's, let's, let's get in the end zone. It's, it's time. It's, I know we had that garbage time touchdown to Hireman against the giants, but when was the last time we had a, Honest to God, good feeling touchdown. Was it that one to AJ Derby that was amazing catch? And that honestly might have been the last like legitimate touchdown. I know the Hireman touchdown still counts for fantasy, but that game was over. Yeah. So. Yep. That was the last one I can remember that really mattered for the for the actual impact of the game. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> Peyton Manning had fifty five touchdowns in two thousand and fifteen. Was it two thousand no two thousand thirteen? Fifty five. Gosh darn. <laughs> what what is this? We got spoiled. Yeah, it's 2017. It's it, it's amazing how things can change so quickly in the NFL. I just think of Peyton Manning going from MVP to huge liability on the field within a matter of, I mean, it, it was like a switch from one week to the next. It was like that, I think it was the Rams game where he took a bunch of hits and he just never was the same after that game. I was at that game. And yes, it was that game. Gosh darn it. Uh, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm bad luck, I swear. <laughs> I go to Denver this week and Broncos are shut out. Now, we still have a lot to get to, but first, we want to once again say thank you to our sponsor, MyBookie.net. MyBookie is all about the fun and excitement of making accurate predictions on your favorite teams without risking any of your cash. Site members can make picks against real spreads, lines, and totals for major sports leagues and associations, as well as college sports, and compete for great prizes courtesy of MyBookie. MyBookie.net is the greatest, most professional, and totally free 100% recreational sports prediction service you can find on the internet. Instead of the typical head-to-head challenges and handicapping contests, MyBookie.net goes beyond the basics and offers members a true betting platform that will make users feel like they were in a real betting site. Unlike most betting services, MyBookie.net is a completely free site that allows you to make daily predictions and bets and win real prizes at no cost. MyBookie is not a gambling or play-for-money site. It's a free sports wagering website built for millions of sports fans to provide them with a platform to participate in picking games 
predicting scores, and compete for free prizes without risking any money. Just like the office pick'em contest in fantasy football, MyBookie brings a deeper enjoyment and excitement to watching our favorite teams play by increasing the stakes. It is fun, and for no cost to you, you get to make predictions and qualify for prizes. Again, the service is absolutely free for all users. So what are you waiting for? And we want to say thank you to MyBookie for sponsoring the Huddle Up podcast. All right, Carl, well, now we got to talk about a unit that many have been saying the Broncos need to use more of uh, if they want to get back on track on the offense, and that is the Broncos rushing attack. Uh, the last couple weeks, the Broncos have failed to run the football enough, and many of the talking heads, not specifically us, but many of the talking heads and fans alike are saying that Broncos aren't built to run, throw the football 35, 40 times a game, and that even if the run game is not really working and the other teams are stacking the box, Broncos need to keep pounding the rock and uh, wear down defenses. The Broncos started off great to begin the year. I believe after the third week of the season, they were the number three rushing offense uh, in the football, small sample size, very true, but they were running the ball very effectively to start the year when the team was looking good. But recently, not so good, and a lot of that has to do with the flow of the game. Once the Broncos get behind and teams are pretty much taking away the run, uh, planning, playing for Simeon to try to beat them outside, it's been tough sledding for the rushing offense since that, and hopefully this is a week where they start to get on track because I don't see the passing offense playing the best, and the Chiefs Although kind of like the Chargers and the Giants, the Chiefs haven't been great against the run so far this year. Here's to the Broncos rushing offense. I mean, they got they got to play better this week. What do you think, Carl? Essentially, th- this is my thought: is is the rest of the team is going to have to pick up the slack that's that's lacking at the quarterback position right now. And I know that's that's tough. There's things that I know that Simeon is doing that is making it even harder to run, even beyond the fact that he's struggling to pass. Kind of some things that he's doing just with his setup pre-snap that are, are letting some teams know some things. Um, but they're still going to have to go out there and just win their one-on-one battles. And I kind of liked a little bit of what Vance Joseph had to say this week, of that they're going to maybe try to, for this isn't a, a quote, but pretty much dumb down some things. He thinks that they've maybe made things a little bit too complicated. They're having way too many meetings, and it's causing some miscommunications. It's causing them to just not not be going as fast as they could be. And so maybe by by simplifying a little bit this week of, hey, hat on hat, you got the guy right in front of you. And I know in the NFL, like it's got to be more complicated than that to actually make it work because teams are are rotating all the time. They're moving guys at the before the snap of the ball. So it's kind of hard to know exactly who's going to be right in front of you anyway. But I don't know. It, it is. It's there, There's so many things going wrong with this offensive unit. It, it isn't just Simeon. I want to get that across. I know that, especially us at Mile High Huddle, we have been probably some of the the strongest people against Simeon, even before the the season started. Kind of, hey, this guy, he's only going to take us so far. And my my wife, when the Broncos were losing so bad this last week, she goes, well, at least you can can take take solace in the fact that you can say, I told you so. And I'm going, that doesn't make me feel better. (laughs) I was hoping this guy would be more. But... It also is where guys are losing their one-on-one battles. I've seen offensive linemen just have guys run right by them, and and all of a sudden a hole closes down. I remember there was a play, I think it was against the Giants, where Benny Fowler, oh my goodness, there was such a huge run lane for Jamal Charles. All Benny Fowler had to do was crack down on on a, a cornerback, and Jamal Charles had the whole right side of the field just to go and make a play. He had like maybe one more guy to beat, a deep safety. And I, I kind of believe Jamal Charles one-on-one with the deep safety, he's going to win that battle. But he didn't see that that Benny Fowler missed his guy. 
and that guy comes up and tackles him for a three-yard play. So it could have been this 30, 40-yard run is stopped because a guy missed his assignment. So again, it's not just Simeon. This is offensive line not always doing their job. This is wide receivers not always doing their job. This is tight ends running wrong routes or dropping passes. This last week we saw, uh, I saw uh, uh, CJ Anderson drop a pass that I was kind of going, man, I, I don't usually see him drop a pass. He was just trying to, I think he's just trying to do too much. And these guys just are not playing just instinctual football. They're thinking way too much. So I'm hoping maybe kind of dumbing some things down and just saying, hey, go out there and play football and let's go see what we can do. Because, yeah, this Chiefs front seven, they are not great against the run. This has been their Achilles this this year. Uh, they haven't been great in pass coverage either. But, but especially against the run, they're 30th in the league right now in yards given up and 19th or 30th in, in yards given up total and 19th in points allowed. They're 25th in the league in rushing yards allowed and 28th in yards per carry. So th- this is a week that maybe even when teams try to load up the box, when the Chiefs try to load up the box, that the Broncos can still go have some success. Jamal Charles, with his speed, I hope he gets a lot more carries. I, I, I'm hoping that he has that desire just to go and show his team that they were idiots for letting him go. I hope he has that fire in him, and I hope the Broncos give him that chance to go do that. Because his speed can help break through an eight-man box. Because guys just won't expect him to be going quite that fast. But, I don't know, like I said, this is just a week where everybody has to step up and and show that that this season is not lost. Because I, I really do feel like with the loss this week, season's over. I think you're going to lose the locker room. I think you're going to lose the defensive players. It's going to be hard to to get them excited to to go out there and continue to put full effort. And I'm not saying that they're going to completely give up because, I mean, they're professionals. But I just think you're going to see this divide that just really destroys the team. Yeah, if, if the Broncos get whooped on this week and if it's because of the offense not playing well, I think you got a real, real strong chance that you could lose the locker room this year. I mean, there's already tensions boiling up, it sounds like, and – I mean, with the defense playing this well, no shit they're going to be irritated. I mean, this is a competitive group. This is a, off a, the defense that's championship caliber. I mean, they're wasting Von Miller's prime years with this pathetic offense. And there's no, there's no other way to put it, unfortunately. And it's just, it's, it's incredibly disheartening and frustrating. So I, I don't think there's really an easy fix for the offense. I think it's personnel issues, but I do hope that the run game can step it back up and help Simeon and just there's no better compliment to a young quarterback and a good defense than a solid run game so hopefully the Broncos can get an early lead and the rushing game will be a little more stout just because of the flow of the game dictates that one thing I do want to point out though is that the Broncos are missing Menelik Watson in the run game I know he's the right tackle has been everyone's favorite beating dog or whatever you want to call it for the last few years, because let's be honest, the right tackle position has been horrible since probably Orlando Franklin's second year. I mean, I know he was terrible in the Super Bowl, but he's still the best right tackle we've had in a while. But the Broncos miss men like Watson, especially on the ground. He's not a great pass blocker, but he is a good run blocker. And a lot of those big runs came to the right side this year, especially those ones by C.J. Anderson where he just squirts through and all of a sudden he's in the open field. That's that's Leary and Menelik Watson and Maybe a pull block by Barber or lead block by Jano or maybe even a pull by uh, Green. But a lot of that's coming from that right side, and that's because Menelik Watson is a dog on the ground game. He can really body somebody, and I, I don't think he's going to play this week as well. So we anybody who thought Barber was a better option at right tackle, I'm just 
come on. I understand Watson was playing bad, but Barber is not a tackle. He does not have the length or the speed or the power that you can play the right tackle. And they we they showed that last week. Let's be completely honest. Barber was a, a train wreck. As much as I've been harping that the Broncos offensive line has been league average this season, league average. By that, I don't mean they're good, but that's just kind of the state of offensive line across the NFL right now. But they were freaking bad last week. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. They were bad. Bowles probably had his worst game of his career. Uh, Leary played pretty solid, I thought, especially in pass protection. He's been one of the best pass blockers all season. But Barber and Garcia, but Barber, man, he was, whew, he stunk up the joint at right tackle. And if he's going again there next week, he's, he's got Justin Houston. So I don't know. I guess it's, it's rough. It's going to be rough, but the Broncos have to be able to run the football. And I feel like that's besides the quarterback playing better and taking advantage of one-on-one opportunities outside with a stacked box. It has a lot to do with the flow of the game. So Broncos need to get an early lead and have that Broncos rushing attack work better. Derek Johnson's still a good player for them. Uh, older, a little slower, but still, I mean, one of the better, headier off-ball linebackers in the NFL. I mean, he's been there. He was in the same draft as DJ Williams. How long ago does that feel when the Broncos had DJ Williams drafted? That's how long Derek Johnson's been with the Chiefs. That's incredible. That's like 2007 or something. 2006? I think 2006. That's incredible. <laughs> that dude is old, but he's still getting it done. And I mean, we... I would be remiss if I didn't talk about my boy, Chris Jones. Outside of uh, Carson Wentz, I wanted the Broncos to get Chris Jones in the first round in that draft. I was not a big Paxton Lynch guy. I'll be completely honest. I thought he was too raw. Didn't think that he saw the field well enough, and I didn't see him translating to a pro scheme very well. I'm not going to claim victory on that take yet, but right now it's, it's heading that way. We'll see. We'll see what happens. He's still got time. I'm not giving up on him. But Chris Jones, man, he uh, second round pick, early second round pick in the uh, 2000. 16 draft, and he has been just a menace for the Chiefs. One of the better interior pass rushers in the NFL. Sometimes he can play a little bit out of control, uh, not finish the play, and uh, he can play with lack of leverage. These guys can get under him and drive him. But that size, I think he's like 6'5", 310 pounds, to be able to rush the passer at that size, I mean, he's got balance and ankle flexion. That That's a, that's a very special player, and he's somebody that the Broncos are going to have to look out for. Simeon's going to Simeon's struggling climbing the pocket, so maybe I'm not as worried about him. Because <laughs> if, he, if he's a guy that if you have a quarterback that's climbing the pocket, Chris Jones is going to eat you up. But definitely want to watch out for him. Leary and Paradis and Garcia are going to have their hands full with him on the inside. Yeah, I, you know I was a big Paxton Lynch fan, so I, I wanted him over Chris Jones. But I, I did like Chris Jones. You got me believing on him. And now you got me believing on your new boy. Your, we'll your talk. We'll crush. save that for later. Yeah, we'll, we'll say, say that, that for later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're uh, I had to to stop Nick from turning it this into a, a draft heavy podcast already. <laughs> he he asked me earlier that today when we could start talking about the draft on a more regular basis, and uh, I told him let's, the let's, wait more, let's wait a few more weeks, <laughs> see where the team's at before we get too crazy. But yes, Chris Jones, handful for sure. I'm sure that they'll be trying to get him, especially matched up against Garcia, just because they know that they can win that battle. And I'm really hoping that they will, the Broncos will shade Paradis to that side to help out. Because otherwise, that, that, who was it that, what, that hit, uh, was it Ingram that hit Simeon this last week and, and possibly broke his nose? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Cool. And I, I could see Chris Jones having one of those kind of hits if Garcia gets up against him one on one. So it could could get very interesting there. 
But like I said, Broncos have to win with this run game. They might have to force feed it a little bit more this week and just say, hey, we got eight in the box. I know we do, but let's just run it anyway. And I know the team has been a little frustrated because Simeon has checked out of those plays sometimes. They've kind of told him a few times already, hey, I know it looks good for the pass, but we're calling a run play for a reason. We're trying to set other things up later on. So again, that might just have to be the case where you know you don't have the numbers, but you still run it anyway. And it's not so much that you win that battle right then and there, but you're trying to set up something with maybe play action later on in the game, giving them the same look, and then they think, oh, here comes run again, and boom, hit him over the top with with DT going up against Mitchell. That That's a, a key matchup, I think, that, that we're not going to talk about today, but I, I could see one of those kind of plays, just trying to get something big to get this, this defense to back off of them a little bit, and that might be set up by getting some of those one- to two-yard carries that just don't seem like they matter that much, but later on in the game, maybe they do. And speaking of playing the 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 chess match that is the NFL, I, I kind of put in a new one this week for key matchups, and I went two coaches, and that's Andy Reid. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner versus Joe Woods. And I say this one just because Joe Woods, he's done really well this year. He's had a few times where they've, it's mostly been more miscommunication issues than it has been game plan issues, I would say. Maybe the the Giants game, that was maybe the one game where I'd say, man, that was not the greatest, greatest game plan. And I think some of it was they just didn't exactly know what to expect with so many new players coming in for the Giants. Beyond that one, Joe Woods has done really well, but this will be one of his toughest matchups of the year. Andy Reid, I believe, is one of the most creative coaches in the entire NFL. Right now, Kansas City has the number two scoring offense at 29.6 points, only behind the Rams. How weird is that? The Rams, who were one of the worst offenses in the NFL last year, and and this should give Bronco fans hope. You can change the offense in one year. You can go from one of the worst to one of the best with just uh, some changes, mostly by getting a quarterback that knows what they're doing and a coach that knows what they're doing. Those kind of those kind of help out a little bit. But Kansas City, Andy Reid, very creative. This year, I've seen plays that I'm just going, man, I don't even know how you try to begin to defend some of that. Where they have Travis Kelsey going over the middle on a seam route. You have Kareem Hunt coming up the middle on an option play. And then you have uh, Tyreek Hill doing an end around. I mean, there's just so many unique weapons that Andy Reid is finding ways to really take advantage of their skill sets. So that, that's that's what I love when I when I see that out of coaching. One of my biggest pet peeves is when I see a coach that continues to kind of that that square peg round hole. You do it my way. You run my system. I don't care what your skill set is. You're going to do it my way. You're going to have to win my way. I was kind of thinking about the Rams there with what's his name, their old coach, Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher, one of the worst coaches that somehow continued to to continue to get a job in the NFL. It's amazing. But he was one of those guys, square peg, round hole. We're going to do it my way. And Andy Reid, he looks at the players that he has and he says, this is what we can do and this is what we can do well. 
And I know a lot of people have said, well, this is a, a gimmicky offense. In some ways, yes, it is. But they have such unique weapons that it doesn't matter how gimmicky it is. It's still hard to defend because you can't you just can't teach that kind of speed that Tyree Kill has. You can't just stop that that seam route by by Travis Kelsey because he's faster than any of your linebackers. There, there's only maybe a couple linebackers in the NFL that can keep up with him. And safety wise, he's bigger than your safeties. So he's just such a unique player. And Kareem Hunt, he's just such a great runner. You give him a little little seam, just a little spot, and he could take it for a, a huge gain. And then above all else, you have Alex Smith, one of the most underrated running quarterbacks in the NFL right now. His ability to go make a play with his legs is ah, it's irritating because you can sit there and have like a, a third and 12 play. And all of a sudden he takes off running. You're like, oh, he's a running quarterback. No big deal. They'll catch up. Nope. He has the speed to go make a play. And so Joe Woods, I just want to see how he game plans to try to stop all these different weapons that the Chiefs are going to be throwing at him. Yeah, it's it's really just it's a different style offense than anyone else is running right now in the NFL. And I love it. I love that they're using more college type of systems because that's that's the type of talent that's coming in the NFL right now. You got to be putting your players in the best situation to succeed. And what do the Chiefs have? They have a quarterback who's pretty athletic, smart with the football, um, can move around and be accurate underneath. They have Tyree Kill, who is an absolute chess piece. A offensive line that's not that good. I would say that the individual players for the Broncos offensive line, I would take the individual players for the Broncos offensive line over the Chiefs right now. Uh, That said, the Chiefs have a good system. And Alex Smith is very good at protecting the offensive line, moving in ways that makes the offensive line look good. And then you got Travis Kelsey and Kareem Hunt, who we've already touched on as well. So it's, it's a unique offense. I mean, if you recall to that week one game where they had several shovel passes to Travis Kelsey, I mean, they had direct snaps to Travis Kelsey for Christ's sake. I mean, this very fun, unique offense. That's I, I wish more teams in the NFL would use. I still do appreciate the old fashioned, you know, pocket quarterback, um, you know, playing 12 and 21 personnel, but I don't think that's the direction the NFL is heading. I think you got to bring in these weapons, especially with the type of quarterbacks that are coming in. You think Baker Mayfield can play in a standard uh, Peyton Manning style offense or even Lamar Jackson? No, but put him in a put him in a unique style offense that uses a little bit more college schemes and options. Let them be athletes with the pockets moving, and you can really create some opportunities. I mean, how many teams were shut out this weekend in the NFL? Was it three? I think there were a lot of shutouts. Or three teams didn't reach the end zone. So I. I want to see more teams start to do what the Chiefs are doing with offense and just get a little bit more creative and put quarterbacks in situations where they can succeed. There's more than one way to score a touchdown. So that's, that's I guess, my little rant on the state of offensive play in the NFL. Maybe I'm just frustrated with the Broncos, but I think that this is a – getting back to Joe Woods versus – Jesus, drawing a blank here. Andy Reid. Andy Reid. See, this is normally you who draws a blank on the names. What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> um, getting back to Joe Woods versus Andy Reid. Yeah, this is a – this is a big game, and there's some frustration from some of the offensive player, or from some of the defensive players, at least from what I've heard, on some of the play calls. I mean, they, they said they had a plan for Evan Ingram that they just didn't use. They said that they had a plan to stop Hunter Henry, and they just aren't doing it. I mean, you have Chris Harris coming out saying we got to hold him to zero points, so there's a lot of pressure on the defense. And this is, I mean, this is probably the second-best offense we will play all year behind the New England Patriots just because Tom Brady's incredible and i hate him just need to throw that out there uh one thing to mention about the chiefs offense as a whole they do have some injuries across the offensive line last week starting uh guard duvernay tardif sound familiar Mm -hmm. 
I've seen him play. I just can't pronounce his gosh darn name. Laurent Duvernay Tardif. I believe I pronounced that correctly. He's out. He has a knee injury. And then they also have Mitch Morse, who was a high round draft pick by them from Missouri. Uh, Broncos liked him as well. They were kind of disappointed that the Chiefs took Mitch Morse, but he's been out for most of the year uh, at center. So they do have some injuries. And they also lost Conley on the outside. He was uh, not really utilized in the Chiefs offense, but with his size, speed, and ability to just be a threat down the field on every play vertically, he really does help open up the underneath plays for, for the Hunts for the Hills, for the Kelseys, and for Alex Smith. So that's that's something as well that the Chiefs, they do have some injuries. Um, Albert Wilson did play last week at that fluky touchdown where the Raider guy should have picked it off and instead it was a touchdown. Luckily, the universe corrected that, and the Raiders still won that game despite that play. But they have some injuries on offense. So the Broncos Broncos defense, I think, will match up decently well. It's a, it's, it's a Broncos defense versus the Chiefs offense. It is an unstoppable force versus an immovable object. But for the Broncos offense, for the Chiefs defense, it's a stoppable force versus a movable object. It's, it's, it's incredible how the, the different dynamics of the teams right now. So I'm, I'm interested to see what Joe Woods does. He's going to have to do a better job game planning against the tight ends and the wide receivers or the running backs as receivers because that's how the Broncos, I mean, we've done it every week. Game plan every week, I play the Broncos for defense or for the, when I'm the opposing team's offense, get the running backs in space, get the ball to the tight end, get the ball to the quarterback's hand quickly, pick on those linebackers, and double and triple team Von Miller. That's what teams are doing, and that's they're getting themselves enough points that the Broncos offense can't keep up. Defense is playing great. No complaints about the defense other than the lack of turnovers, but, I mean, that's that's just kind of fluky. I don't, really don't know what else to say about it. I guess we could be getting more pass rush pressure, but I also feel like because the Broncos offense is so inept, teams aren't taking as many chances, so that's limiting the turnovers as well. It's, it, it's all sick. It's all... Uh, What's it's the word connected. I'm Yeah, it's all synergi- synergetic. Everything is connected. If one unit is not creating pressure, then the other unit's going to play differently. Broncos offense is not a threat right now. So what does that mean? Other teams are going to play conservatively. Play field position. Not let the Broncos defense win. It's almost like, you ever see the movie Waterboy? Mm-hmm. Where in the, uh, the Bourbon Bowl, where they're playing, it's the Mud Dogs versus whatever school he was fired from as the Waterboy. Once right. Adam Sandler gets in there, they're like, you know what? We're just going to take a goddamn knee every time because we're not going to let Adam Sandler and the Mud Dogs defense score points. And that's, that's essentially what other teams are doing to the Broncos right now. They're not afraid of the offense. Chris Harris talked exactly about this. He said that they are just running such quick passes, these little two-yard routes, that it doesn't give them the chance to really force a turnover unless they try to jump a route or something like that. But he said they're just trying to get the ball out so quickly because of, of Von Miller and the pass rush. And like you said, if they don't have to have a big play to win the game – if they don't have to go out there and score points to, to really do much, why force it? Yeah, absolutely. Why, why play right into what the Broncos need need to have happen? They need the defense to score a touchdown. They need the defense to force a turnover. So why do it? And the Chiefs, they have been, I think, the best uh, uh, turnover team. Well, not like, I think they have the fewest turnovers of any team in the NFL this year. Or they did it on the first like, snap. First snap of the season. I don't know if That's they did right. one last week. First snap of the season. And after that, I don't think they've had a single turnover since then on the offense. They have not. They have just that one fumble. <laughs> That's incredible. Cream hunts first so. carry, and then he goes off for like 200 yards. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, and, and, I mean, they've had their opportunities, like you talked about, where uh, Albert Wilson had that fluke touchdown that should have been an interception. So it's – that just – sometimes the ball bounces that way, bounces your favor – um, they still lost the game, which is crazy, but yeah. 
there was a couple other plays that didn't go their way in that game where they forced a turnover and a penalty negated it. That was kind of a fluky flag, I would say. But moving on here, we have our X Factor section. And I'm, I'm a little scared to, to do this one because it seems like every week the person I pick goes out and has a terrible game. And <laughs> last week I picked Todd Davis. I'd say he maybe had his worst game of the year. And of course, then it ended in injury on a pretty sketchy play by Okung rolling up on the back of his ankle. And like I said, I think he's going to be out this week, it looks like. And oh, I, I don't know what's going to happen there at that inside linebacker position. I, I really do think Jamal Carter is going to get a ton of snaps this week because he's that one guy that can be a little bit of that hybrid, can still help out in the run game a little bit more. Maybe it'll be Will Parks because he's pretty good in run support too. But yeah, Todd Davis, that, that's who I picked. And and who did you have? I had Garrett Bowles because I knew that either Stevenson or Barber would be playing right tackle and needed Garrett Bowles to play well to solidify the offensive line, help Simeon because he's seeing ghosts, obviously. And just because it's a really tough matchup. I mean, Bosa and Ingram are probably the best edge rusher duo in the NFL now that Merciless and Watt are out along with Clowney for the... Uh, the Texans, and they lived up to that best edge rusher duo. They absolutely wrecked the Broncos' tackles, and Bowles arguably had his worst game as a pro. He showed a lot of those issues that we talked about on this podcast. I mean, he's, he's going to have to add strength as he goes along because right now he's a little bit weak in the base, and he can get beat on bull rushes. And there was that sack where he got walked right back into Trevor Simeon. I believe it was Ingram who got credit for it, and Simeon just imploded. <laughs> as soon as Bowles uh, touched him, which, I mean, good for Trevor for going down, learning that self-sack, but yeah. my goodness, he, got, he just got pushed back. Ingram's playing as good as any defensive lineman in the NFL right now. So the Bulls do not have a good game, and hopefully he will rebound this week against D Ford. But we'll see. I don't know. We, we really need him to. Bowles has been a good pick. Uh, he's not playing like a top 10 offensive tackle, which, I mean, who is expecting that? He's definitely playing better than many people expected, including myself. I thought he'd be way more penalty prone this season than he's shown, which great. That's great. We really need that at the tackle position. A lot of teams need the tackle position, but Bulls didn't have the best game. This week though, I we kind of touched on a little bit. I won't go that long on it, but I went Justin Simmons here. He had his worst game as a pro, I I would say, in that Christmas Christmas Day night game against the Chiefs where the Chiefs just kicked us in the butt. And Simmons gave up a bunch of yards to Travis Kelsey and man coverage, just looking lost, missed tackles. All that whole that whole shindig, just a bad game. And with all the Broncos linebackers injured, I think Justin Simmons is going to be given a lot of time, a lot more time closer to the line of scrimmage, playing up against Travis Kelsey. And he struggled there. He looks as good as he tested agility-wise at the combine. He looks a little bit stiff in man coverage, he, especially in those hips. Uh, he can get flipped over, and especially with a great route runner like Travis Kelsey, he can get burnt. So Justin Simmons, I'm looking at you. This is going to be a big game for him, big opportunity. And if he has a good game, especially against Travis Kelsey, Broncos got a chance to win this one. Very good pick. I, I went with A.J. Derby. He's kind of been that that receiving threat at the tight end position for the Broncos. They, they've mixed it up a little bit between all three of the, the tight ends. But A.J. Derby seems to be the, the main guy when they really go into obvious passing situations. And the Chiefs, ever since Eric Berry went down, tight ends have been a little bit of an issue for them. They're the, the one player that's really been able to – they've had a lot of players have some gives them give them some issues but i just feel like aj derby this is a a big week where he can go out and and make some plays and and just take some pressure off of the rest of of the team just especially i I don't know if sanders is going to play yet we don't know 
I hear he's really working hard to get back for this game. But even if he does come back, what is he going to be? Because a big part of his game is being able to cut off those ankles and and leave guys in the dust. But, you know, last week we had DT who was just double, triple covered most of the game because there just wasn't many other options. AJ Derby, got to go out there and have a big game. The the Raiders, Jared Cook. I I wasn't all that impressed with that pickup just because Jared Cook, he's more roars like a lion, but plays more like a kitty. I don't, I don't know if that's a great analogy, but he's, he's just never lived up to the hype. He's always been more of a name than than he ever should have been. But he had a big week. He had over 100 yards receiving and almost had that big touchdown to end the game where then all of a sudden they got like five or six extra tries at scoring a touchdown. <laughs> that was one of the craziest segments I've seen in a game in a long time. But like I said, A.J. Derby, I think he could go out there and have a nice game for the Broncos. They need him to take a little pressure off, open up that middle a little bit more, and and just be a, a weapon for this team again. Yeah, good pick. Uh, he needs to show up the Broncos. He had that good game against the Raiders a couple weeks ago, but Simeon needs all the help he can get. And he, I, he hasn't really been utilizing that tight end. I mean, he missed that one against Virgil Green last week that almost made me pull out my hair. I literally felt like I aged 20 years after that terrible throw. That would have been a touchdown, I think. I mean, Virgil yeah. Green's a decent athlete. That guy was so open. He, he had at least like 10 yards of separation. Yeah. So, so to underthrow him that bad where almost it should have been intercepted. Yeah. <laughs> to go yeah. from for sure easy touchdown, it, it really doesn't get much easier for a pass. I don't know. That was, that was the play that I'm just going, this, is, this cannot be our guy moving forward. Yeah. But he, he gets another week, and we can get into that a little bit more maybe here in a little bit. But Trevor Simeon, this, is, this has to be his last opportunity, right? If he has a bad game. Can you really put him out there the next week too? I mean, they might keep putting him out there until Paxton Lynch is healthy. That's true. That's, they, that's they what might. it feels like. That's yeah. honestly what it feels like. I mean, is Brock going to be worse than this? Trevor Simeon, when he was playing well at the beginning of the year, better quarterback than what I saw from Brock, at least last season. But this Trevor Simeon right now just looks shell-shocked. PTSD, mechanics are wacky, throwing stupid footballs off his back foot. I mean, he just is seeing ghosts, and he's, he's regressed. He wasn't great before, but he's regressed. So, I don't know. I feel like the next three games are incredibly tough. I mean, at Kansas City Monday night with the Chiefs having 10 days to prepare coming off back-to-back losses. Let's be real. This is, this is going to take a miracle game to win. This is, this is almost to the proportions of people doubting the, the Giants coming to Denver and then the Giants ended up winning. That's the type of awe I would be in if the Broncos end up winning this game solidly because the Chiefs, there's just so many factors favoring the Chiefs in this game. There is. And, and so, yeah, Simeon, he is in, he's got his back against the wall one of the worst situations where he's got such a huge game to, to try to prove himself going into one of the hardest stadiums to go into and win with one of the loudest crowds in the entire NFL, a great team that he's going to be going against this divisional game. I mean, there's just so many things playing into this that are going to be, be, be putting pressure on him to go out there and have success. And on top of that, pretty sure we've had a lot of players calling him out this entire week. <laughs> there's been a lot of, Passive aggressive uh, interviews done by defensive players or things put on Twitter. It, it's it's been kind of a crazy week, and so he's he's got a great opportunity to go quiet some people here. But I just yeah, I have my doubts that he'll be able to do it. I hope he does. I I've been you and I both. We've been cheering for Simeon to to prove us wrong. We want him to. That means the Broncos are successful. Yeah, but 
right now he's just proven exactly all the the concerns that we had in him going into this season. All the things that we were worried that he showed last year that everybody kept saying, oh, it was the offensive line. Oh, it was Kubiak and and what's his name in, for the Bills right now? Coaching up, having horrible game plans. and Dennison. Dennison. Yeah, see? Now you're my, you're my name guy. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody kept putting all these blames on everybody but Simeon last year. And... Then he comes out, new coaching staff, a lot of new players, and and I still hear some of the same excuses going on. But at some point, we got to sit here and say, Simeon, this is who you are. This is the the book on you. And you and I both know that we've heard from other teams. Simeon just – other teams know when they're game planning for the Broncos that it's going to be easy to figure out exactly what Simeon wants to do or what the team's trying to do on a given play. And that just puts you as such – so far behind on the play to have success when they already know what you're going to try to do. We, we could spend a whole episode talking about all of that, but we'll move on here. Maybe give a little bit of a, a game plan mode of how the Broncos maybe could beat the Chiefs. And, and we'll start with the Broncos offense against the Chiefs defense. And I'm just going to start off. I'm going to come out in big packages for this one. I'm going to give the, the offensive tackles some help. With tight ends, I'm going to bring out Hireman. I'm going to bring out Green to, to be my extra blockers. And I'm just going to work to try to pound it down their throats. I'm going to say, you're going to stick eight men in the box. We're going to have seven offensive linemen. We're going to have a fullback. And we're just going to go man on man, hat on hat, see who wins this battle. And just hope that maybe you can take the 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 crowd out of it a little bit. I, I went back and watched that that Pittsburgh game. Now, we don't have any kind of Le'Veon Bell on our team, of course. We don't have a, a Ben Roethlisberger to, to threaten with the pass. But I just feel like that was how you win an Arrowhead. You just keep just pounding the football over and over and over again and just hope that your running backs can really keep moving the football because I feel like you can, you can push this defensive line back. You talked about it with Chris Jones. One of his biggest things is he sometimes can get stood up and pushed back. And, and with the Chiefs, that's just something that I see with this entire defense is they can get pushed back. And that takes Justin Houston out of his, his go-to of, of being that great pass rusher. D Ford is not great against the run. Their cornerbacks are not great tacklers, I would say. And without Eric Berry, because that was, I mean, Eric Berry, I would say healthy is the best safety in the NFL. That's just my personal opinion because he is so great in coverage he is a hard hitter. He's great in coming down and helping in the run game. He's he's that great leader on the field. Just everything you'd want in a safety, Eric Berry is that. Without him, they just they have a lot of problems. And so for me, I'm just gonna like I said, I'm I'm kind of like like Vance Joseph. Let's just simplify. You block that guy in front of you. Let's bring out the big guns and let's just push these guys straight back. Well, I like that a lot. I, that's something that I think they should be trying to do. Maybe we should bring back Tim Tebow for that two-completion game that he had where they <laughs> threw it, what was it, four times, five times, and they won that game? I mean, that's, that's the game plan right there, and that got to win an arrowhead. I, I was reading a stat the so. other day, and they, they were talking about that there's been three quarterbacks, and I think in like the last 20 years, that has won a game with a quarterback completing four or less passes. John Fox has been the coach of all three games. Foxball, man, it's a thing. Hey, if it works, Honestly, it works. Those Tebow offenses were better <laughs> than what we have right now. It's true. Tebow is not a better quarterback than Trevor Simeon, though. I uh, not a passer, at least. <laughs> I, I, I don't. It's 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 bad. But let's not let's not go crazy here. I I don't know. Maybe maybe he is. 
God, it's been a while since I've watched Tebow tape, but those those games, I still don't get it. We were tanking for Andrew Luck or Robert Griffin III. Let's be completely honest. If you don't know that by now, then shame on you. That was obvious, I think. But they won in spite of it. But my plan for the Chiefs, uh, when they're on offense, I am going to be using Tyreek Hill to take the top off, get him in space, especially get the Broncos uh, linebackers moving horizontally because they do not have great speed in the inside linebacker positions. And uh, Shaq Barrett's been crashing in a little bit. I think actually because run defense has suffered a little bit. I don't know if it's because he's trying to make more happen, get those sacks. A little bit of edge contain the last few weeks. And with the Chiefs having that offense where you can run that reverse with Hill and everybody has to flow to him, that can be an issue. Also, of course, um, using Travis Kelsey and Hunt in the past game. Like I've said every week, that's a big Bronco weakness. And just trusting Alex Smith. Alex Smith doesn't turn the ball over. Use your legs. Create opportunities. Be smart with the football. Don't turn it over because I don't think the Broncos' offense is good enough to win unless the they are given good field position, and that only happens with turnovers from the Chiefs' offense. I like it. Yeah, it yeah. makes. I mean, it just makes too much sense. It's simple, <laughs> honestly. It's really yeah, simple. it is. It's very simple, and it, it works. Chiefs have done it all year, and it's worked well for them. So, might as well stick with what what's going, what's been working. Yeah, offense has not been the problem for them. Nope, not at all. And for the Chiefs on defense, I'm going to be playing a lot of uh, cover two uh, shell, making sure that the Broncos are. You know, Trevor Simeon he tells you everything with his eyes. Why even play man coverage? You don't have to have your back to him. Watch his eyes. He's does a pretty good job using his head to get rid of that single high safety. At least he was at the beginning of the year. I'm not so sure recently, but with those guys in the flats, especially or the, uh, the deeper zones outside the hash marks, that's where he gets killed. And he will tell you with his eyes where he's going. So I'm playing zone thinking that the Broncos don't have what it takes to create the big plays or push the ball down the field consistently. And Marcus Peters, I mean, I'm thinking that guy is going to make some plays. So that's what I'm doing with the Chiefs. I'm getting pressure on Simeon, taking away the run, playing some zone, keeping my eyes on him, because eventually I think that he's going to make a mistake, and I got a chance to take it back for points. Okay. Well, for the Broncos' defense, I am. I think I'm honestly starting Jamal Carter at the other linebacker spot this game. Zaire Anderson, he just he's not been the same player since that concussion. Maybe he's better now that he's been on the bench, hasn't played a whole lot, but I just, I don't trust him. And with the speed of this Chiefs offense, I just feel better with Jamal Carter on the field, even if he is smaller. I guess I just trust that with having Damato Pecco playing as well as he is in front of him, that Pecco's going to be able to occupy space and and Carter's going to be able to use that speed or Will Parks, either one. I'm fine with either one because they both have a, a similar skill set. I just think Carter has a little bit more athleticism to to kind of keep up with with Kelsey and and Hunt coming out of the backfield and and things like that. But I, yeah, I'm going to actually go ahead and start him for this game, go a little bit smaller and just not let Kelsey and, and, and then also Tyree kill. I'm going to, I'm going to shadow a safety his way the entire game. I, I just, yeah, it, you, you can't let that guy get deep on you. You can't let him beat you with one play like he's done to so many teams this year. And then with my, my linebackers, I'm telling them to play a little bit more contained this week because Alex Smith, he loves to get to that edge. He has had, like you said earlier, with the Chiefs offensive line, I think the Broncos offensive line is more talented. But Alex Smith has been incredible at his pocket awareness, his ability to to buy time by sneaking out to the side or or his threat with the run game or with his ability to run. It's just been incredible. So I'm not trying to just 
blow the guy off the the ball to go make a play because you're giving him an easy lane to to escape the pocket and Tyree Kill. You give that guy an extra second to go get open, he's going to get open. I don't care if you have double coverage, he's going to get open. So, again, I'm trying to play a little bit more contain, keep Alex Smith in the pocket, make him a little bit more uncomfortable. Plus, with the contain, you're working to not lose the edge. So, they, say they run that end around like you were talking about earlier with Shaq Barrett trying to crash inside. I'm telling him, hey, don't do that this game. You can't do that this game. You're going to lose if you do that. They're going to they're gonna notice that, and they're going to try to exploit it. And <clears throat> then I'm also working. Here's, here's the last thing I'm telling my players. Every chance you get a chance to hit these guys, you hit them. So they run that that option. Heck, if you know even that that Hunt has the ball, and I'm not trying to say play dirty here, but this is this is what you set yourself up for when you play this option football. You're going to get some extra opportunities to get some hits on the quarterback. So remind them that you're there, Kelsey. Like you you talked about earlier, you can get into his head, get some extra little hits in on him. Let him know that you're there to 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 rough him up a little bit. I'm not saying get dirty. I'm not trying to say injure them or anything like that. I'm just you can make them. Just remember that you're there. Those are little things that you try to do with teams like this. And every once in a while, you might get them a little bit off their game and have them make a mistake. That's what you're trying to do. Chiefs don't make a lot of mistakes, but maybe you can just get them a little bit off their game and, and make that game-changing play. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what you got to hope for. You got to get in their heads, especially with Kelsey. And not you don't want to play dirty, but you want to play physical. I mean, this is number two ranked offense coming, and the Broncos have – the defense that has to play nearly perfectly and they got to set the tone and they can do that. I mean, force some big hits. I mean, have the Broncos forced a fumble yet this season? I don't think they have. If they have forced one, it's been recovered by the other team. I do not think they have a single fumble recovery yet. So big hits, strip the ball, be aggressive. Defense has to come to play. The Broncos are going to win this game. They have to come to play. And they got, they got it against them. They got everything stacked against them. Vegas is going to be against them. Rough environment. Chiefs are playing, going to be playing angry. Anything can happen with a good defense, especially with a guy like Von Miller. One strip sack, one defensive touchdown, the entire game can change. So we'll see what happens. But now we got to go on to the what to watch for. And last week, you had the quarterback position, and that did not work out very well. I'll give you a chance to talk about that. But I went with turnovers again, and they lost 3-0 and again. Uh, two fumbles and a terrible interception. And another two passes that should have been an interception by Trevor Simeon. Just, just – Stupid decision making. I mean, what could, come on. So that I'm not going to lament too much about that. Uh, but quarterback position. Yeah, I I was really shocked that they didn't go to Osweiler. I really thought this would would be the game. And uh, Vance Joseph kept talking about, well, it was just a two score game. How could we make the change? Well, because your offense is doing jack squat. It what we didn't make it to the 50 yard line until the second half, something like that. I mean, it, it's you got to do something. And I know people are going, well, uh, what. Is Osweiler really that much better than Simeon? I don't think so. But it's the easiest change you can make that can maybe cause a little bit of a spark because they haven't game planned to to stop Osweiler. They haven't game planned with the plays that he likes to run because Osweiler likes to run a little bit different skill set than what, what Trevor Simeon likes to run. It's just the way that it is. And it, I remember when Osweiler came in for Peyton Manning and he did decently. I mean, he wasn't great by any means i think he got a little bit overhyped because the team was winning but there, there were some things that he was doing that peyton manning wasn't and teams had to, to to learn to to game plan a little bit differently like i said earlier with the the giants game part of the reason the defense was playing a little bit slow was because how do you game plan against wide receivers that you don't even know what routes they like to run 
none of them had hardly even played in the NFL. So you're having to go back and try to find a little bit of college film on these guys and hope you can see something just kind of the way it is. And, and so I think Osweiler coming in in that game maybe could have caused a little bit of a spark. So I'm a little bit disappointed in the coaches not making that change and Trevor Simeon getting to start this week. I don't know. I mean, I kind of understand like you don't want to completely destroy your, your young quarterback. You want to show him that you have a little bit of confidence in him and maybe get that little bit of boost of, Hey, coach believes in me. I got to go out there and prove the coach, right? Maybe something like that. But I just think Trevor Simeon's too far gone. You talked about it earlier with the, he's just hearing ghosts. There's times where the pocket is completely clean and he's throwing it before the receiver even thinks about making his break. He's just throwing it away and he's, he's got a clean pocket. He could have held on to the ball another second or two and been fine, but he just, his internal clock is so far off when there is pressure. Like when it comes quickly, he doesn't see it when he has time. He doesn't see it. I don't know. He just, there's so much wrong with his game right now. And I just think, I just think he's too far gone. So big week for him. I, I, I just don't see it, but maybe yeah. I, I'm a, I'm an optimist. Yeah. Yeah, usually. you are <laughs> more so than me. Yeah. Yeah. But this week I, I picked whichever cornerback has the, the matchup against Tyreek Hill because he truly is the most electrifying player in the NFL. Every time he touches that football, it could be a touchdown. And so you just, you can't let up for one play. And I'm sure that the, the Chiefs will be trying to move him around a little bit and, and get that, that great matchup. And so whoever has him, you got to learn not only that you have to cover for that three seconds, but because Alex Smith can move around, you got to even cover longer than that. So I'm just interested to see that matchup and to see how they, they do in containing Tyree Kill because I just watching that guy, I hate, I don't like him. I don't like his history, anything like that, but he is an electrifying player. I understand why the Chiefs took him. When you add that to your offense, it just changes everything. Yeah, it's, I don't like him either, but he is a definite freak athlete. Yeah, and fastest guy, most explosive guy in the NFL. So they're going to have to watch out for that. And whatever cornerback goes against him, good luck. You're going to need some speed. I honestly don't know which one you put against him because there's not really a cornerback in the NFL that can keep up with him, at least when – He's given a little bit of time because that dude is just, I mean, he's a freak. He's a freak. There's no other way to put it. For me, I went with third down offense. The Broncos started off the year with one of the better third down offenses in the NFL. I think they were completing nearly 40% of their third down uh, offense. Good, good job by the running game on first and second down, making third down manageable. And the Broncos were chugging along, making offense look great and giving me hope that the Broncos offense maybe turned the corner. But not as Lee Corso would say, not so fast, my friend. Broncos' third down offense has been absolutely pathetic the last three weeks. Um, They are the 30th ranked third down offense over the last three games at a 27.66%. Only the, I want to say the Bears and the Browns are worse than them right now. So it's, it's not good. It's not good for that third down offense. And if the Broncos want to help that defense, they need the offense to hold on to that football. Way too many three and outs, way too many early, uh, Way too many drives falling out way too early and just terrible field position. So if the Broncos can help themselves by just playing a little bit better on third down and converting some third downs, controlling the football, keeping the defense on the sideline, giving them a, a break and just helping the field position out, that should make a world of difference. But right now that trend is bad for third down offense for the Broncos. So we'll see what happens there. Now, before we get out of here, we want to say thank you to our sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. 
over 180,000 titles to choose from on your iPhone, on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Now, before we get out of here, Carl, last segment, predictions. What do you think the score is going to be? <sighs> I've been wavering back and forth throughout this entire entire episode because like I said earlier, I'm that eternal op- optimist and thinking that when the team has their back against the wall, somehow they just rise up and, and surprise the NFL. And then I remember, oh man, I, I don't know how they're going to do it. <laughs> but I think Jamal Charles goes and has a big game, gets the team a little pumped up, gets them a little bit of, of, of spark going. And I actually have Broncos winning this one 21-17. Wow. Well, you had the, uh, the technical difficulties uh, last week where you had to drop out. And I predicted a win from your perspective. <laughs> I did both of us just because <laughs> I needed to balance out. And thank God you are uh, balancing us out again. I have the Broncos losing 24-10. to I don't see the offense getting enough traction. I see Simeon throwing a couple picks. And I see season really is just starting to fall apart. We're going to have to start looking ahead to the offseason. I've been surprised before. The defense is great. It's a top three defense in the NFL. Shane Ray's going to be back. And crazier things have happened in Arrowhead. That's for damn sure. But I just, I don't know. This team just doesn't feel like they have it. They just don't feel like they have it, especially on offense. I feel like they're already at a breaking point <laughs> this early in the season. And... I wanted to give Simeon a chance and the offensive line a chance. I'm, I'm still of the opinion the offensive line is not as bad as the average fan is claiming, at least league average-wise, because offensive line play is not great across the league right now. But I just think it, this is the game where things start to really start to crack. I mean, we're, we're on, like I mentioned earlier, at Kansas City, at Philadelphia versus New England. That's That looks like very easily could be a five-game lose, losing streak. So... Broncos haven't had back-to-back losing seasons in a while, so if they have one this year, at least it means that they're going to be great next year. But uh, this this game probably determines what type of team this is the rest of the season. If they can sneak one out here, they got a chance for the division. If they lose this one, hopes are going to be down. Not just for me, but a team and in the fan base. So we'll see what happens. Now, last thing before we totally close out here, I did want to touch on my boy, Tavin Bryan. He did not play this week. If you guys are unaware yet, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I have a massive crush on Florida defensive line, Florida defensive lineman Tavin Bryan. He wears number 93. I am very draft-oriented person, and I know the Broncos are playing themselves to the point where they might need quarterback or maybe even another offensive lineman, although offensive, line, offensive tackle class does not look that great. If you're watching college football, there's not many reasons to watch Florida football these days. They're not that great. But Tavin Bryan is, I mean, honest to God, they call him mini J.J. Watt, and I do not know why he's not getting more media hype yet that guy's game against texas a&m was dominating from an interior defensive lineman when you watch interior defensive line or even offensive line you know you'll watch guys for consistent play and they'll make a play here and there but you rarely see that many splash plays from a guy on the inside at least and that dude was just incredible and i know you i got you over there carl starting to uh believe the uh tab and brian hype at least that i'm <laughs> i'm starting to promote and national media is starting to pick up on i mean i've seen some of those national media people like my tweet, share my share my tab and Brian tweets because I don't want to claim you know hashtag first, but I think this guy is a special talent, special talent. Well, you you have to remember last year how many of our guys did we hype up, and then like within two weeks, all the national guys are hyping them up. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> so it, it's yeah, that's kind of how it goes. We we see you and I start a lot earlier than a lot of other people on on draft stuff. And I, <laughs> I was kind of, and, and this guy was already getting hyped up for me because I usually like to watch the wide receivers first, just because that's my position. Yeah. And 
I somebody had asked a question of who's your number one wide receiver in this draft, and I said Calvin Ridley. And then I saw like four national media guy goes guys go, "Hey, Calvin Ridley, he's my top wide receiver." And I'm going, "Ah, come on." <laughs> and uh, but yeah, he, he's just he's one of my favorites. He's he's my dream, kind of like Brian is for the defensive line for you because that's your your bread and butter. Calvin Ridley is my wide receiver dream. Just his yeah. his speed, his quickness, his route running. You know I'm a huge stickler for route running, yeah. which really stinks when I'm watching college tape because I'm going, these guys are such terrible route runners. Do they realize how much better they could be? How much more teams would want to draft them if they could route have great route running? Ah, it just it drives me nuts. But but he has great route running to get himself open in a hurry. I watched him on one play. He blew by the defender so quickly that it actually put the defender in a better position because he was running a comeback route. And the defender was so far behind that when he stopped to try to turn back, the defender was right there. And it, it just that kind of athleticism you just don't see very often in a wide receiver. So I would love that guy in the slot for the Broncos, but th- there's so many other key positions that I know first round that they're going to be looking at. Wide receivers probably fifth, sixth, seventh on the list of of needs. <laughs> so I, I just have my doubts that they would would go that direction unless they really hit on some areas in free agency or trade one of the two. But no, I, I love Brian. I love what I've seen out of him. You've made me a believer. And Bronco fans, if you get a chance to go check him out from Florida, man, he is well worth the watch because he is he's electrifying. For a defensive lineman, like you can get like you talked about, you can get bored watching him sometimes because there'll be like a whole a whole quarter or a half where they just do nothing. They just run into the guy in front of them. Oh, play over. Okay, let's move on to the next one. No, he's you you just expect something out of him every single play. Yeah. There was one drive where he literally did every single play in the drive as a defensive lineman. He had a pressure, a tackle for a loss, and then a sack. Three plays in a row from an interior defensive lineman. I mean, that's, you know, when you see Derek Wolf make a sack, you get excited about it. Imagine Derek Wolf making three big splash plays behind the line of scrimmage in a row. You just, you just don't see that. So I'm, I'm expecting Tavin Bryan to get a lot of hype here very soon. And he's, he's, he literally just screams Bill Collar to me. Guy who's dudes from Montana. His dad is a former Navy SEAL and a volunteer firefighter, and they call him Mini J.J. Watt. I mean, this, it's, I'm in love. I know we need a quarterback. I know we need offensive line help, but you can never have enough good interior defensive linemen, especially ones that can get after the quarterback. We're really struggling with that right now, and I think Tavin is special. I really think he's special. So, Isn't he from Wyoming? Yes, he's from, yes, he's from Wyoming. I always get those two confused. Sorry to my <laughs> Wyoming and Montana listeners. I should know that. I'm, I'm kicked out of the Tavin Bryan fan club. I failed the entrance exam. I still love you, Tavin, though. <laughs> so, well, that will wrap up the uh, Week 8 Huddle Up Preview podcast. The Broncos find themselves in about as big of a do-or-die football game as you can find this early in the season as they travel to Arrowhead with both teams coming off two losses in a row. So, huge game for both teams. And playing at Arrowhead with the Chiefs having 10, 10 days to repair, it's, it's rough. It's, it's about as tough as it gets. So, this, this could be the breaking point of the Broncos season. Either way, it could totally define what happens the rest of the season. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Delmar MHH and myself at Nick Handel MHH, as well as find our Denver Bronco articles on Mile High Huddle. I'm on the CBS Sports Digital Network. Now, pretty soon, Carl and I will be getting back into the, the draft podcasts coming up here. Uh, Chad doesn't know that yet. I don't know if he's going to love that, but we've had some, at least I've had some call-outs on Twitter that people are starting to want to look ahead to the draft, getting a little bit frustrated with the team. And, you know, it's always good to look ahead. And uh, talking with Scout, uh, affiliate, Eric Trickle, maybe we'll have a quarterback podcast coming up here. How does that sound, Carl? I love it. Yeah, I was watching. I was watching Lamar Jackson earlier today. Ooh, and uh, whew, 
he was against Florida State. He had some some big plays, some throws into some tight windows that I would love to see in Denver. Yeah, he is. I know he's going to be the, one of the most polarizing quarterback prospects we've seen in a while. But I, I mean, I with how boring the offense is it has been for the Broncos. Forgive me. How fun would Lamar Jackson be? Just just fireworks. Just fireworks. I mean, he's he's incredible. Every time he touches the football, throwing it, he's become a better passer. We'll save it for that podcast. But yep, yep. Lamar Jackson's fun. He's definitely somebody that's intriguing me more and more every week, especially with how he's improved as a passer. Uh, you can follow Huddle Up Podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher. We also have audio up on YouTube that you can check out and leave comments. We try to get back to you on there as best we can. Uh, please stop by, leave a rating and a comment on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love to hear feedback from you guys. It makes us, you know, what we're doing good, what we can do better. And uh, you can you can say that my voice is annoying or that it annoys you that Carl doesn't remember names all the time. You know, whatever whatever works for you. We talk too much about the draft. You know, we're Simeon haters, if you want to say. I, I like to think we're decently realistic. I want Simeon to succeed because that means we can take Tavin Bryan in the first next year. That's That's the best case scenario for me. But, you know. It is what it is. You can also follow us on Twitter at Mile High Huddle and at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us. For Carl Dummler, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of the Scouts Eye Preview Huddle Up Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos. Mile High Huddle. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 